for centuries. We've been warned about little green men. Now, they are coming. They're coming for you. Run. But first, shut your windows. Hide your apples. Prepare for the attack of the android. And now, your host and the human leader of the android underground, Matt Lee. What's up, everybody? It's Tuesday, February 4th, 2014. This is episode 112 of Attack of the Androids. Every Tuesday evening right here at AttackoftheAndroids.com. Check it out. I'm Matt Lee. Join me this evening. Eric Finkenbeater, not on Skype, but on Hangouts. What's up, Eric? Not much, Matt. Just eating oranges, looking for my plate. Nice. Also, on Hangouts, more on Hangouts than Eric, Nick Carroll. What's up, Nick? So glad to be back. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm glad you didn't die from whatever illness you had. I'm glad you you killed it and are here to talk about Android another day. First on the list, you guys, I have to ask, AllCast has been updated for the Chromecast. The Chromecast SDK is out. Um, Have they also updated the formats of files that it will play? Because it's pretty limited, and everything I have, it still says no. I'm I don't no. think it matters. It does matter. I don't, I don't think it matters. It matters no, no, to me. It matters about the SDK doesn't come into play. It's whatever you're using to render. So, but the SDK doesn't specify like you can play MKVs but not AVIs or XVIT or something like that. Like that has nothing to do with it. I don't think so. They're I not think blocking it's, I think that, that you for transcode it. Well, mm-hmm. the hard, hardware support is probably, I mean, is unchanged on the Chromecast. It's just whatever you may have to do, like some sort of software rendering to get like some MKVs to play or whatever. That's why something like VLC is a good good player. But I have not heard anything about more audio, audio or video codec support somehow. Well, then what's the point if it doesn't play video files? Like, why? It why? It depends on the program that, that's uh, streaming the file. While I have a Chromecast, I have not tried uh, this app yet myself, so I'll have to uh, double down and, and try that this weekend. I'll tell you what, I'm running out of things on Netflix to watch. No, <laughs> so, no actually, I just I, I have to come out here to the studio and like plop in front of the, the widescreen here to watch my, my TV shows. Got to watch Shameless and, and Almost Human and all that stuff, and it's like sometimes I just want to sit in the house and watch it, and then I try it because I'm like, oh, maybe it's been updated. No, sorry, we don't know what that is, but we're not even going to try and play it. So, I tested AllCast this morning, and it, like I was testing it on like an MP4 file, on an AVI file, and it didn't really work that well. But did it, it work? Because I just get the error. Like it doesn't even try to work for me. No, it, it worked. Like it, it was playing audio, but then it would lag and buffer, lag and buffer. It was just kind of, ugh, I don't know. Maybe it's my device. Maybe it's your network it or something. I don't know. What are you I'm streaming just... it from? Like, what is your device? Like a notebook or a PC? No, I'm streaming it from the N1, a local file. Oh. Streaming it from the N1 to the Chromecast. And they're both connected to the exact same Wi-Fi router in the exact same room. Yeah. So 
I don't know. It, it's cool in theory, but it's still just not there yet. Uh, and, what type of file were, were you planning, like a resolution and file format? Uh, there, it was like some demo file that came with the phone, so I'm guessing oh. it was 720p. Okay. And then a video that I shot, I think, with Google Glass, so not really a high resolution. Okay. Was that your New Year's resolution? Take more glass videos? <laughs> become a bigger glass hole? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's exactly what it was. I guess it wouldn't be so infuriating, like with Avia, for example, because it'll play the the video on the phone, but then the second, so like it's there, right? It's playing it, it's fine, and the second you hit that cast button and it tries to cast it, it blinks on and you get the logo, and then it says, oh, sorry, this format's not supported. But it is supported on the phone. That's like what gets me. Like it's it's possible. But for some reason, that's why I thought it was the SDK. For some reason, it like it won't play on the Chromecast side. But whatever. Yeah, I'll pull this up the SDK later. Whatever. Yeah. This isn't a Chromecast show. I just wanted to mention that. I also, <laughs> I also noticed. Oh, contraire! It is a Chromecast. Show. Oh, contraire, mon frere! I also noticed that real player cloud support was added, which. Completely blows my freaking mind that like it's still there. That real player is still there. I have a bunch of old South Park episodes in .rm format RMs, yeah. because back in the IRC XDCC bot days, like you had to keep the file size low because you were queuing like twenty or thirty people, and they all wanted that file, so they'd compress them into RMs, and you could get a whole South Park episode in like twenty megs. And back then, like yeah. that was that was awesome. But the quality, like, is is pretty horrendous. What do you mean back in the IRC XDCC state? Did days? you ever that's use what I still use. the XDCC bots, really? Yeah. <laughs> and F serve triggers? <laughs> that's so <laughs> old. Will you start using torrents with the rest of the world? The modern world? Nah. Torrents I, old school. I love it. Right? IRC is great. I love waiting in line for somebody's crappy dial up X serve. <laughs> oh, it's the best. So, uh, Eric, did you get new frames for your glass? <laughs> Not yet, but I think I will, so that way I don't look like such an idiot. <laughs> such a glass hole. Yeah. Uh, which ones do you it, have your eye on? Can we can we look at them and, and tell you if, if that's a good fit or not? I don't know. Let's see here. We Scrolling let the, down. Let the internet judge your, your choice, Eric. Well, I was what I was going to do was just get... Um, get them as uh, sunglasses. Oh. Um, I don't know, maybe split or thin. Definitely not curve, and not the classic or the edge, because you, you you look like an even bigger idiot with those, but you know, just something small and understated. Can I well, go with the myself? Frames, and Can... they, look, they look pretty decent, but they're, they are pretty understated. They're like uh, very conservative. <laughs> Can I get those? Yeah, I don't need, like, hipster frames. Yeah. <laughs> a monocle. <laughs> I want them in, like, aviators. <laughs> like, the Google Glass monocle would be awesome. <laughs> or a monocle. Aviators would be awesome also. Aviators Just would... There was somebody on... <laughs> the biggest, on most Plus, there was somebody with... Yes, Eric, go. Sorry. There's with uh, this little device, I think they 3D printed... That turns anything in turns any pair of glasses into Google Glass frames. So that's another option. 
It's like an adapter. No, I wasn't. Yeah, like it, it just sort of like it, I wasn't really sold on the you know safety and durability of this thing, but it was it like had a lip and it would it would sit on top of your current glasses and then it had another lip where the glass would sit in it, but I didn't really see any place where it actually connected. So it doesn't seem that sturdy, but I, I don't know. This guy was wearing it, so maybe he just doesn't care if he breaks his fifteen hundred dollar glass device. I'm telling you, fifteen hundred dollar glass with the thin frames connected to a Moto X with the teak back, <laughs> you are styling. With oh the, yeah, with the watch, with the steel, <laughs> the blue steel. What's it called? A bevel steel. steel. <laughs> Yeah. That's right. You can't help but get laid. Right? <laughs> On a mission. Jeez. Mm. They're just Golly. sexifying this technology. I, I like that. It's, it's very well, nice. They kind of are. Look at the – you know, so the whole story behind this is that supposedly, like, they there were all these rumors about they were going to go with this hipster company or that, and they just ended up designing the frames in-house, which is not a big stretch if you look at – and they sort of conform to these, you know, already set styles. Um, but I mean, they're all designed in house. If you look at all the models that are that are modeling them, they're all they all kind of look like that very beautiful person. Like they they don't look like anybody I've ever seen wearing glass. Let's put it that way. They yeah, all look models. like the start to that nerdy librarian porn. Like that's I just be the one to say like that's <laughs> kind of do. I mean, if if you like you were saying they they're like, well, we we have plenty of nerds nerds and hipsters in house. Like we don't have to hire a company. We'll just ask them what they want, and then like why didn't they just use those same people as their models to really show the real world use of well, that's of the this? question? Like, Maybe are these did. people ever really wearing glass for real? Is that your I mean, eventually, right, one day, but not in this iteration. Unless those are Google employees, which would blow my mind. Would it? Not everyone that works at Google is a fat, ugly nerd, Eric. God. You don't know that. You're so stereotypical. You don't know that. You're such a stereotypical (laughs) fat, ugly nerd, Eric. Listen. (laughs) Listen here, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's awesome. Are you loving your glass? Like is it everything a first or second generation thing like that should be or what? It's it it has its uses, but it's just not it's not there yet for everyday use Eric, for me. Are any of those uses worth $1500? No, absolutely not, which All is right. why they are not going to cost that much. Well, right, but yours did. Yeah. He's an, he's an early investor, so. Okay. Well, I also, you know, get paid to write about this stuff, so it's it's subsidized to a point. Is that what you told your girlfriend when she's like, you spent how much? Your wife? Sorry. I did. I told my girlfriend and I told my wife. <laughs> I told them both, <laughs> actually. Same email. Group <laughs> group messaging. <laughs> yeah. I'm sending no, a lot was... of money on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of them, hey, honey, we need to sit down conversations. Have a seat, <laughs> both of you. What? <laughs> Listen, you both sit on my lap. No? I mean, you oh. sit down. You come in here. Now sit down. <laughs> That's terrible, Eric. Hey, uh, I'm curious what you guys time. think. I keep seeing the phrase "contextual home screen" or 
or or like like contextual app home screen like what i i'm not down with that just mainly because it's it means a constantly changing home screen and i'll tell you if you've ever like flashed your phone and tried to put your stuff back your muscle memory in your brain will make you keep hitting that same spot where the thing was but maybe it's not there anymore but you keep hitting that spot and that i don't know that that seems Seems like it's gonna waste a lot of process and battery power trying to figure all that out. But I don't know. Are you guys down with this, Nick? Are you are you down with this? Me, not so much. I'm I'm a little bit OCD myself, so no. <laughs> I don't want all my shit moving around while I'm talking. You're like about, you me know, and you'll make like a phone call, you know. You'll have both phones there so you can mirror exactly where <laughs> your stuff was. I totally did that from the GDX to the Moto X. Oh man, it's so annoying. I like keep hitting that button, but it's not the right one. Eric, are you down with contextual home screens? I think it's a good idea on paper, um, but then in practice, it's not great at all. Um, I think Chameleon, that it was a it was a Kickstarter um, launcher. You guys may remember from a few years ago. Oh, they yeah. were the first that I had heard of to try like this contextual home screen thing, and it it just didn't didn't work. Because you really, I think people do get used to, they set up their home screen the way they want it and they get used to it. The only thing I can think where you might want to change that is if is if you work somewhere to where you're using your phone for all these specific worky things. And I, I just think for a market that is either doesn't exist or is so small that it doesn't make sense for anybody else. Yeah, it does seem kind of niche to me, and uh, I'm not sure how many people will stick with something like this. Most people that tend to do a lot of changes to their phone, maybe try different ROMs, different themes, different managers, they want to do it on their own. They want to do it manually. So having your phone automatically up, you know, adjust what programs are on the on the you know so-called desktop on, on the home screen, and uh, you know, I don't I don't see that as this constantly morphing uh, screen is being that popular personally. But, I mean, if whoever will make money doing it, you know, with this Well, you know what I think this is, is that it's not something that will have legs by itself. If you if you have a company that develops this technology and, you know, the the logic to do this very well, yeah. you're you're just going to get bought. You're going to get bought by Apple or you're going to get bought by Google, and they're going to integrate the best parts of your software into the base operating system. Yeah, if you this think is about, not a standalone thing. Yeah, if you think about Google Play, to some extent, that's basically contextual news updates. It's sort of like this, hey, you, you searched for this, so now we're going to put search results you know, as a Google Play card. Or, hey, you drove to this location. Would you like to add this to your frequently travel list? Or, hey, you went to this theater to see this movie. Well, it's the next weekend. New, a new movie's out. Do you want to see this? So you're kind of seeing that with Google Play, but uh, Google Now. Sorry, that yeah, was bugging Google me. Now. Sorry, yeah. Google Now. <laughs> you with... said it like five times. I was like, ah. Yeah, you're seeing it with Google Now, but that's because it's an application and you have control over it. It a lot of people like it, but having your actual home screen and and launcher adjust it that. I'm not sure how well that's going to do personally. Well, and really, like, how many home screens are you guys using? Because I have, like, my main one and then one to the left and one to the right. But I have two blank home screens. Maybe you could dedicate one of those. But, again, I always go back to the, 
like you could use widgets, but I feel like that's just a waste of, of processing. It slows the phone down a little bit if they're, you know, really in, intense. And if you have something that's constantly trying to figure out, you know, unless, like Eric said, it's super optimized at that point, somebody, it's going to be integrated into the, the code base. Yeah, I try like hell to fit everything into one screen and I like <laughs> all the icons to be in the same place every single time. See, I, I have I have more of like, it's just a Twitter widget and then like my text, my music, all that. And then the left and right are like things like PayPal and the flashlight and like Google Authenticator and stuff. And then like the calendar on the other side. Yeah, so, but then I, I mean, who fills up like that? one? Yeah. Yeah, some of my icons are actually 1x widgets to where I get a little bit more live updates just from that. But yeah, I'm a one-screen guy myself. So I was using those, but I didn't like how they lined up. They were like just a little bit off from the normal icons that bugged me. I just I couldn't do it. <laughs> Eric, how many home screens are you using? I don't mind, but I always have to like bump it up to the maximum home screens. <laughs> All of them. So- so I have seven, but I only use three. Like, I only have, like, the the main one, which is, like, my dialer, um, Google Voice widgets, uh, weather. And then on either side, I have different music apps, like Audible and, you know, my music player and things like that. I don't use anything else, but it makes me feel better knowing that they're there. It's a just-in-case, right? You're, you're a just-in-case kind of user. I'm a, I'm a prepper. That's right. <laughs> uh, prepper. Awesome. Uh, the one they looked at uh, on the article on The Verge, it's called Everything Me, uh, home screen app launcher for Android. I guess it's available today. This was on the 4th, which is today. Uh, provides yet another take on using contextual data to make your smartphone even better. Uh, co-founder Ami Ben David calls it Smartphone 2.0. As opposed to the static launchers in Android and iOS, uh, which would be, obviously, smartphone 1.0, right? Okay. Uh, It promises that it will make your phone smarter and more efficient to use. Uh, It looks more like a traditional Android launcher than its main competitor, Aviate, with five home screens, an app drawer, and a search bar at the top. It's more familiar to someone that has used Android before and doesn't require you to completely relearn where all of your apps are. Hmm... Interesting. Uh, It's more dynamic than traditional launchers with its changing backgrounds and swift animations. It feels more alive as you use it. Ooh. Oh, I get it. App 2.0. Okay. Get it? Yeah. The the project initially started as a way to improve search on your phone. Everything Me claims its search bar now offers the fastest in-phone search available on Android. Faster than Google Now? Hmm. Finding apps or contacts only requires a tap or two in the search bar at the top of your screen, and the entire interface will rearrange itself as you type based on what you're looking for. Now, I don't know about you. my it, In the past, my findings on using those things, like the autocorrect, autocomplete, like they really seem to just suck, especially if you like hit the wrong button and then you have to wait for it to load and then go back. Like It's not... It's not as efficient as I it should be. And I don't know. I haven't tried this one yet. I don't. I probably won't. I mean, maybe I will. It, it looks kind of interesting, but I don't know. I'm like you guys said. We're we're kind of like static home screen users with our widgets. Yeah, we're not the audience apparently. <laughs> yeah, 
I don't know. That's interesting. I, I mean, I like how people are exists. trying to <laughs> innovate and improve on it, but I don't think this is it. So, I agree. all right. I guess well, to anyone that, that might be interested, try it out. And if you like it, keep it. If not, well, remove we it. Yeah, we told you so. No, we didn't. We didn't tell you anything. Well, what's crazy is that you have, like, didn't Yahoo buy Aviate? Yes. And it really makes me question why they bought it. Just in case. I... They're prepping. <laughs> They're prepping. Just in case. For their home screen. Right? It just, it seems like these, it, you, it's the one, another one of these Silicon Valley fads. You know, where you have, you, the, the buzzword for this month is contextual. Is that so, what it is? That could be. I guess. You might be onto something there, because I have been seeing it an awful lot lately. It just blows my mind. Like, it seems like this stuff is getting, like, really, really, really overvalued. But, Eric, context is everything. That's true. I'm I'm actually writing my contextual keyboard now, <laughs> where it displays the letters that you need based on what you've used before. The letters it thinks so, you need? Good luck finding the Q button, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe we'll see a company like Cyanogen Mod Inc. buy them out. Yeah, the the, only, uh, <laughs> Eric, the only letters will be the ones that are in Cyanogen Mod. Eric, when you get rich and famous, don't forget about us, okay? I won't. When the your app has a million downloads and you charge four ninety nine a pop, you remember us. Remember your roots. All right, let's talk a little Android security. Have you heard of Droid Pack? Probably no, not. Tell me more. Uh, semantic researchers have found what they are calling the first known example of Windows malware specifically designed to infect Android devices. Uh, quote, we've seen Android malware that attempts to infect Windows systems before. Uh, that's Flora Louis, author of Symantec Post, announcing Droid Pack. Interestingly, we recently came across something that works the other way, a Windows threat that attempts to infect Android devices. And that's for, like, all the people that are still plugging in their phones to their computers for some reason. You're, you're not using the wireless transfer or, or something like that, or is it, I wonder if it's going wirelessly also. Uh, it says well, if you're rooting a ROM in your device, you know these are people that have already probably rooted their device and and given themselves admin permissions. I can see that being a great way to. Well, I don't think that matters with this one. It says the remote server may also download tools such as Android Debug Bridge in order to install the APK or other malware destined for the target Android device, phone, or tablet connected to the infected computer via a USB cable. Uh, several things have to happen in order for Drop Pack or Droid Pack to successfully install its payload. It will show up as a Google App Store application. Once installed, Android Fakeback.b looks to see if there are any mobile banking apps installed on the Android device. Ooh. Uh, they said, Semantics said the first version of uh, Android Fake Bank B studied was specifically targeting Korean banking apps. Uh, if it finds a familiar banking app, it attempts to make the user believe the currently installed banking app is malware, should be removed and replaced by the fake bank. Ha! 
That's clever. Uh, if the user agrees and loads Android fake bank, B, the malware is in position to steal login creds and possibly account information when the user logs in using what is thought to be the correct banking app. They tricked you. It's the old bait and switch. Sounds like a great trick, but I wonder how many people are actually uh, affected by this. That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I, I still don't understand how it gets installed on your phone. From your computer. It's it's infected your computer. And then as soon as you plug your phone into the computer via USB, it infects your phone. Right. Okay. So it, So at no point does it say, do you want to install this app? No, it just does it, Eric. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. This seems, this seems like a hell of a lot of steps. It tricks you, dude. Like, it's like, do you want the Google Play Store? And you're like, actually, yeah, I was just looking for that. And of then course you, I do. Of course. Why? I thought I already did. <laughs> like, the all store's right. so nice, I installed it twice. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, better install it again. Just to be sure. Third time's a charm. Just in case. I have like four copies of the Google Play Store. Rainy uh, day. Proper. You never know, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, damage level medium. Payload opens a backdoor on the comprised device. Releases confidential info. Steals your banking systems. So. I like that the write-up was done by a gentleman by the name of Tommy Dong. Just throw that out there. Uh, so be careful what you're downloading, yeah? So, of course, Eric, you have to agree to install the program on the device, but they thought of that. And you know what? This is where social engineering comes into play. Tricks you. You might be infected right now, Eric. This is serious shiz right here. I'm actually checking it out right now. <laughs> I'm actually reading. He's installing it, making sure it works. I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Will you share that uh, that with me when you're you're done installing it, infecting yourself? Yeah, of course. No, this is neat. And it's gone. So while he's doing that, we should talk about, since Motorola Moto X, I mean... I we we talked about it on Yats because it happened the day after Attack of the Androids last week, but uh, announced uh, Lenovo, Motorola, Google. That was a shocker, wasn't it? <laughs> was not prepared for that in the least. I like no guns, a lot of the no warning, just bam. Yeah. I like a lot of the stuff I heard was people being like, "Oh man, I just got a Moto X," as if somehow that sale in the future was affecting the phone they currently had in their hand. You know, it, it was a funny, like, reaction, I thought. That wasn't my first reaction at all. It, it, yeah, it some gentlemen in black suits are going to knock on the door, be like, hello, we're here to switch your phone. for a That's right. Moto. Here's the new Moto X that you requested with three Google Play stores in it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's made by Howie. So they, I was really disappointed by this news. It's kind yeah. of old news now. I don't want to kind of go over everything everyone's already talked about, but they, they kept the patents. They sold the handset uh, arm of it. 
And, uh, yeah. Some people saying losing some money. I, I think they did okay. They did what they needed to do, you know, and then they, they sold it for what, what was it, like 3.1 Instagrams or something? I forget. Uh, 2.91 billion. 2.91 uh, Instagrams. It'll, it'll be, yeah, it'll be paid off in three years. They're paying half down, and then the rest are going to pay off in that time. In shares? Off, they they did shares as well, right? Yeah. So now Google has some some shares there in Lenovo. Yeah, the, the thing that I find interesting is like this has sort of happened in the past with IBM, right. for example. Like L- Lenovo uh, signed a five-year deal in 2005 to buy IBM's PC division. You know, that's where they got all the ThinkPad, all the Think-based uh, uh, products. Well, the, the interesting thing there is that uh, part of the five-year agreement was for the entire five years that the payment was that this payoff was going to occur. Um, Lenovo was going to keep the IBM uh, name brand on all their products for five years, and then at the end of five years, Lenovo was going to essentially, rem- at that point, make all these Lenovo uh, just products and remove the IBM brand name. But three years in, Lenovo basically completely—I forget the name of it—they they made a day out of it, but they they stripped all the IBM brands off their products, and then they like Lenovo stickers over the IBM branding, for example. So what I'm, the reason I'm bringing this up is, in theory, three years, Motorola may not be Motorola handsets anymore. It may literally just be Lenovo. Which is interesting because, like, I think the public, all they saw were IBM ThinkPads. Yeah. And there goes Eric. And, the, and then they saw IBM ThinkPads. And then they saw Lenovo laptops that looked just like their previous yeah. IBM ThinkPads. And I, I don't think they really, like, I don't think it was even a thing, you know? It was like, yeah. okay, well, well, I can't buy a new ThinkPad, so now I'm going to buy this new Lenovo because it's just like my ThinkPad. And I don't think they yeah. had any idea that that's who owned it. The cool, cool thing about these kind of agreements for some, uh, someone like Lenovo is they buy the company and all the other agreements they still have, that IBM have in place to sell their ThinkPads and other products, you know, those are still in place. So even though Lenovo is now the owner of, of the property of all these properties, they can sell them, you know, without losing any of their contracts. They can still continue to sell all these things. Right. So you, you'll, you'll see probably business as usual, certainly for the next three years for Motorola, but it'd be interesting to me at least to see what happens three years from now. Does anything significantly change with uh, Motorola, like their, their brand name or, or anything else? So. Yeah. It's an, that's an interesting point. We may see the Lenovo X. You know, and just recently they bought the IBM servers, uh, the whole line of servers from IBM uh, last year as well. So they've been buying a lot of uh, American um, properties essentially, you know, and using that as an ability for them to make money in America because they're really popular overseas, particularly in Europe and Asia. Uh, You know, they used to be called Legend. And then after some period of time, they renamed themselves to Lenovo because you can't name yourself Legend and all these companies and, you know, other companies exist prior named Legend. So they renamed themselves Lenovo. Interesting. You know, they've, uh, you know, they've been trying to spread throughout the world. And right now they're like the number five PC manufacturer, I think, worldwide. So they're doing pretty good for themselves, and a lot of people like those ThinkPads. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how Motorola – does things for them in, in the smartphone industry, certainly on this side of the planet. So. The other thing I keep hearing is that it bugs a lot of people online that it's uh, another 
communications company that's going to the Chinese. And like yeah. the, the one comment here I have uh, specifically, it says uh, we're in a cold war with them, not to mention a new one with the Russians. I'm all for cooperation and trying to make things work, but this isn't a good idea. Needs a lot of scrutiny before anything is approved. Yeah. Well, I would say to be fair, it's, it's not quite a cold war, but it's certainly capitalism at its, at its finest, which maybe it's just a contextual Ah, difference but uh, the word of the day where everything in back of me just goes crazy with eyeballs and mouths fireworks (laughs) yeah but uh, contextual (laughs) so yeah but i don't know i mean it it is okay it's a cold war you win this time internet person (laughs) you you win this time social railroader yes (laughs) of course uh, but yeah, there's a good article about it on Fandroid. We'll throw a link to it in the show notes at attackoftheandroids.com. Uh, let's see. What should we talk about next? Oh, Google Play Books. This is kind of cool. Uh, brings back the ability to upload PDF and EPUBs, which was one of the reasons I I have Play Books, obviously, but then I also have, uh, what was it, Aldico? Al- Aldico? I don't know how you pronounce that, but that's one. <laughs> and it's because I had a bunch of EPUBs that I didn't yeah. want to like have to rebuy or re-download or whatever, and so I'm glad they brought that back to to play. This yeah, is in the three point three point one point one seven update. Yeah, when they first introduced it. Yeah, I would generally store my my PDFs on my device, like I would like I have a handful of books on my Nexus Four right now, but they're stored on there, and that's how I've been reading them. You know through really the Adobe reader or, you know, uh, there's a couple others. I tend to alternate based on where I'm at. Like right. some are better for nighttime reading and others are better for daytime reading. So I found some are really good for books and some are really good for like magazines, depending on what mm-hmm. you're reading, but some like won't format the magazine very well at all. But others <laughs> like Al Aldico and Calibre, I think was the other one mm-hmm. uh, I was messing with, but yeah, they, they both do a pretty good job uh, with that. So do you know why they removed it? in the first place? Like, was it some lawsuit problem about non-copyright material, or uh, non-signed material? I never heard of any sort of a lawsuit, but likely they were skirting some gray area and they wanted to, you know, double check things before they released that feature again. Or there may have been a bug in the feature and it was a low priority. I I don't really know. But yeah, it was kind of mysterious how, hey, here's a new feature, then all of a sudden it's gone and then there's no word when it's coming back and now it just shows up. So, Okay. Do you think that maybe they learned that and that's why they're taking the you can play any format on the Chromecast kind of slowly? I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Like if, mm, if they just opened it up for anything, the companies would be like, oh, these people are using it to pirate and watch stuff on their televisions. <laughs> if you're going to pirate, you're going to sit uncomfortable in front of your computer and watch it, damn it. Yeah, if you have to already have, have that stuff for, for maybe months or years, you can't use that. What? Yeah, that's right. Because you had to have gotten it illegally. Yeah, you couldn't have legitimately, you know, bought a book and got the EPUB version or the PDF version. Right. Do you remember when physical books came with discs in the back that had the digital copy of the book? Eric, yeah, back with us. Eric, what's up, Eric? That's why I read all my books on IRC. Yeah. Exactly, right? <laughs> and his news group readers, yeah. Uh, we were just talking about Google Playbooks update bringing back the uh, upload PDF EPUB file ability. I think it's great, but honestly, I've kind of moved on. I've, I've, I'm, I'm in Kindle, the Kindle 
uh, <laughs> environment now, I think. I I'm bought too it. many books Not on... Not sure serious. No. <laughs> I bought too many books on Playbooks to use the Kindle. Although I would like one. But I don't want to have to start over with my book collection. I mean, you can, you can still, like, have... You could, you can still go back to the books that you have on Google Play Books, but I don't like the the integration of Kindle with like Audible and all these other things that I use. That's and cool. The Kindle devices are still really the best e-readers because yeah. there's they still haven't come out with a a good non-Amazon yeah. you know e-reader. So a paper white textbooks through Amazon and uses them on a Kindle like uh, between classes and and here at the house. So yeah. Still pretty good. Yeah. But it's nice that they added this feature back. I backed up all of my um, – like I, when I buy a lot of O'Reilly books, um, and if you buy – you could buy the EPUBs directly from them, and they're DRM-free, everything like that. So I took all of those books and uploaded them to Google Play Books when they first had this feature. So it's nice to have because it lets you back up your stuff, but – Anyways. All right. $179 Asus Chrome box. Are you guys down with the Chrome boxes? I am. You, you I'm like actually going to get a couple, uh, one for each of my girls, because, uh, like, I, I know I'm not a typical uh, administrator here, but I've got several PCs and notebooks that I administrate. They're all Windows, and it's a pain in the ass, just to be honest. And uh, it's nice basically saying, okay, girls, here's a couple – Machines you can watch YouTube and whatever else on, and just let them go to town on that. So um, I've seen that these are like 180 bucks for like the the lowest end version, but it's still be pretty decent. It's like two gigs of RAM and maybe a 16 gig SSD. But me personally, I would get a couple of four gig uh, memory versions, or you could probably buy a two gig version and upgrade it. Uh, these are uh, made by Asus, but they're based off like the Intel Nook hardware platform, is what it looks like. With the Celeron um, Core i3 or yeah. i7. It's cool it's got yeah. SD reader because then you can just, like, pop SD cards in if they need. That's kind yeah. of a good idea, man. I, I like that. Like, it's just giving your free. kid a disposable computer. <laughs> yeah, say Go on here. No, it, and it's USB 3. That was I thought yeah. that was great. Yeah, and it's small, and the, the uh, lower-cost versions are going to be fanless, but you can get as far as up to, an, like, an i7 version, although not, that's not been... Uh, published like no pricing is is out yet it's supposed to come out in march but uh i'm likely gonna grab a couple in march for, for my girls so that it's two less machines that they can have that i don't have to mindless or not mindlessly but constantly no you, you had know, it right mindlessly because <laughs> like my boys i i have them i built them two pcs two amd uh, rigs where they play a lot of games and they have steam and stuff and i have to monthly run scans and just everything, and it's just a pain in the ass from Nick, my end as how, administrator. how many children are in your tribe? <laughs> four that are mine. Well, really just four in the house okay. and my wife. <laughs> nice. And uh, she's uh, a power user as well, and I have to have to just, you know, check check her system out monthly as well. And my own system I have to administrate. So it's just a, two less things that I'll buy that I don't have to, you know, I don't have to worry about my wife's Android phone. I don't have to worry about my, my oldest son's Android phone. I don't have to worry about my Chromebook. I don't have to worry about, well, my Ubuntu <laughs> uh, notebook either, but I don't use that as much as uh, the Chromebook, to be honest. But uh, 
I don't know, just in my personal opinion, I think other parents might feel similarly. You know, they have maybe a couple of younger kids. They weren't introduced to, like, you know, YouTube, Netflix, or a few other programs and not have to constantly worry about is the machine going to be functional a week from now, you know, because of some accident that's done. So, and Does I think Chrome OS have parental controls in it too. Yeah, if you sign up yourself as a uh, as like the primary user, you can sign up, create additional accounts, and you could you could administrate them. I don't personally do that. I like right now I'm the only person in the house with a Chromebook, and I've only got one account, so I'm not experienced with those features, but I am aware of them. Are you yeah, gonna do yeah. that when you get these for your girls? Uh, yeah, it's gonna be also my my experiment uh, to do that as well to learn more about it because I've already decided I was gonna get them a couple computers, but it's such a pain in the butt to essentially. I'd have to build the PCs. I don't want to just buy something for Walmart because, you know, $300 PC at Walmart, a PC is is not something I would like my children to have and still have the pain. <laughs> of it. They're essentially netbooks, just to be honest, uh, you know, yeah. with the monitor. I don't want to put my kids through that and put myself yet again through, through that. So, anyways. And I think the other side of the spectrum, too, like kids and the elderly, get them all Chromebooks. Be yeah, done that's a good it. point. So, uh, Eric, I just real quick, I, but while you were gone, we were talking about Lenovo and Motorola. And it, was there anything you wanted to say that hasn't already been said or or whatever? Well, it's been said. I th- I think it's been said. <laughs> it sucks. Oh, yeah. are you hating on it, really? Yeah, I'm hating on it. It is so stupid. Why? I don't want. I don't want it to look because they Google should have kept it. They, instead, they kowtowed to Samsung. Who? That's a sinking ship. Oh, you think honestly. that's why it was? Really? Okay. Yeah, they did I that think because it was Samsung. A factor. Samsung probably looked at them and said, uh, "Listen, we sell the most Android devices, and you're cutting into our business in the states with this Motorola line." Nah. Because even though Motorola hasn't been like wildly like successful, they've lost so much money on it. Like, why is Samsung even caring? Go make TVs and appliances. Christ. Because it has potential. Well, oh. Because honestly, it's a Especially in the United States, like we are still very much like nationalistic when it comes to like things made in the USA, you know. Unless it's yeah, with a few exceptions, like you know, people like BMWs, like things like that. But for the most part, if you can slap a "Made in the USA" sticker on it, people like yeah. that. Yeah. And also, Motorola was starting to hit that stride. Yeah. Well, also Samsung uh, used to be the favorite son, and then you know Motorola gets bought, and then now LG's making. You know the next to Nexus, and you know Samsung's only making a Nexus 10, and now maybe Samsung's not going to make the Nexus 10, and now Samsung's going to go ahead and uh, really f- up TouchWiz, <laughs> and you know even more, make it even more. Oh, hey, look, we got a new newsstand UI, and then on and on and on. So yeah, I can kind of see where where uh, <laughs> they've been going two different ways, and now Google, Google and Samsung can maybe kind of work work better together. So. I, I that Google threw away a really good opportunity. Um, Does Google though they care, though? Money, they were losing less money. Does what? Google care? The, like, I, I don't know. I listen to what they said about, like, not being all in on it. And doesn't it seem better to give it to somebody? Is that just PR spin? I mean, it seems like it's better well, to let it, somebody... It does seem... It does seem weird to me that they buy Nest for about the exact same price that they are selling Motorola. And it seems weird that a thermostat company... You know, may end up making more money for for Google than Motorola, but it seems to me Motorola 
was turning things around. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I didn't want to dwell on it too much more. I just was curious what Eric thought. That's awesome that you. No, man, I want to dwell. Uh, well, dwell then, please. You have ten more minutes to no, dwell. I don't want to dwell. Well, dwell I'm, on I'm, this. You I, can I, now. It sucks. I, I said Eric, my piece. You can get a Nexus Five that's red instead. Okay. So there's that. I'm just glad it's not connected to that stupid charity of Bono's. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's that? I mean, no offense. I'm sure it does great things, maybe. But yeah. it's like every What's time something red comes out, it's like sponsored by Project Red or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. What's a Bono? I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, this is a 32 <laughs> gig the bright red for 400 bucks. It's pretty if you like bright red. I think it looks pretty pretty cool. You can and, look like uh, you're holding a fire truck to your head when you're on the phone. That's cool. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a phone call. Hold on. Well, I think it looks pretty damn sexy, and uh, I generally just buy black phones and buy black cases on the black phones. But uh, man, that does look really good. So, but I would still probably end up putting a black case on it. Right. <laughs> What's the point anymore? I- I'm done with smartphones. I'm done Screw with that. all this. I'm done with all this crap. Waiting for the next Chrome phone? No, maybe not. Yeah, maybe. I'll wait for Samsung's next cluster you know what i'm saying oh and speaking of samsung even though that's not in the rundown or if it is i've completely noticed it because i'm inattentive but uh <laughs> we've got a samsung unpack five event like in a couple weeks or something and that should be interesting maybe the s5s likely i don't know now with more apps starting with s <laughs> that you can't get saps. rid of no actually won't you be able to get rid of them now didn't google like tell them they had to do that or something like you can't. No, I think they just. I think they just said like, don't make things that compete with our current apps. But yeah, they in no way said, <laughs> yeah, like S voice. No, I thought. I, really I thought Samsung said they phones. were going to make it so that you could at least uninstall them or something moving forward. I I could be totally wrong. Then. Put put all that, that shit on Tizen. <laughs> yeah, could you? There was something that was going on in Korea, where Korea said you have to be able to uninstall bloatware. Oh, oh yeah, maybe that's what it was. It's a Korean company. So I don't Korea know. Maybe the two will go together. It probably was Korea. It's a good start, though, right? I mean, hit them home. Hit them at home first. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, tell us about the Free Software Foundation's Replicant Project. It's running 4.2 now, Android 4.2. That's cool. You talked about yeah. the the Replicant a while ago, I remember. Yeah, it's basically an open source, like a... What you would what you would call a truly open source mobile operating system, or at least as open source as something could be, um, in the sense that like when you even with uh, CyanogenMod, like any of these things, when you build when you build the uh, the operating system, you have all these proprietary blobs um, that they call them. Like one proprietary blob is maybe like the driver for the LTE modem, and then or another the blob will be or... the driver for the Wi-Fi modem. Right. Um, so Replicant is the Free Software Foundation's, like they they sponsored this project, and it's their attempt to um, open sourceify um, all the pieces and parts of the operating system. Um, so before it was based on Android four, I think they had like an I think they had a gingerbread version too, um, but the the first main one that um, that most people heard about was the one that was based on uh, ice cream sandwich. And now they've used CyanogenMod 10.1, 
uh, as their new base to come out with a, an Android 4.2 version of Replicant. Um, it's only compatible with like a small subset of devices. Um, a lot of them actually are like Samsung Galaxy S3, S2, the, the Galaxy Nexus, Nexus. One. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and there's actually a really good supported devices table on Wikipedia, so I put that in the show notes as well. Um, so it's it's kind of neat. I might try it with the Galaxy Nexus and just see what's what. But I mean, it's kind of sad when you look like <laughs> camera, NFC, GPS. They don't work. Because these, they just couldn't, you know, they couldn't make a free version of the proprietary uh, firmwares. Which on something like you see on this chart uh, under the Nexus One, like sound is proprietary. Like they can't, like why would why is that still proprietary? The Nexus One was forever ago. Like who cares? It's is... because the, so like it's uh, let's say that Qualcomm. I know they don't make cameras, but like let's say that Qualcomm made the camera. Um, then that if they choose not to open source that, then you have to reverse engineer it and like try to figure out ways to you know commands that'll turn it on to do all the things. So that can be really difficult and sometimes impo- you know practically impossible for people. So that, I think that's just where we're at. And the whole three D like I don't like three D graphics does not work across the board on any of these devices. Right. So the question becomes where, you know, do they all share the same, you know, processor? Like what is, what's driving that? Hmm. I like under the unlikely or impossible additions, the Motorola Defy is impossible because the kernel is signed. The Galaxy Tab 8.9 is unlikely because the Tegra is slow. And the Nexus 7 is possible but unlikely because of an unspecified reason, so... Cool. Yeah. Well, in the Nexus 4, if you remember the whole debacle when that came out, how the source code wasn't included uh, right away. It took a few months. And then JBQ quit and all this other drama. And it's because I think that was Qualcomm. Like, they were they were um, keeping a lot of their stuff proprietary. Yeah. The Nexus 4, very unlikely because of too many proprietary drivers. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if you're bored and you, you know, or if you're Richard Stallman, you can, you know, install Replicant and have fun. If you have a Note 2, you can install it also. That and the S3 are like the newest phones it'll run on. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though, the idea, you know, that there's people working on that stuff. That's pretty neat. Yeah, and you could probably get a Galaxy S2 for really cheap on eBay, and that can be your Replicant phone. I Yeah, there happens. you go. Except it doesn't that's support... That's probably the most functional... The Toro, the Toro GeneX, only the Maguro one, so I can't even try it on mine. <laughs> Thanks for rising. <laughs> yeah, jerks. All right, uh, before we do app picks, what is this game? You must build a boat. <laughs> what is this? It's it's not out yet for Android, but I wanted to throw it out there because um, 10 million was the first game from this guy, and it was my app pick many, many moons ago, it still stands as one of my, if not my favorite game on Android. I just, I loved it. I, I sunk so many hours into this until I beat it. And uh, originally, I guess this You Must Build a Vote game was going to be, um, was going to be like a free add-on for people. 
Um, but it just it grew so large that um, they decided to this guy decided to release it as its own separate game. Uh, the cool thing though is that if you've bought 10 million, you will get this game for free. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I, you know, really just wanted to throw out another plug. If you have not played 10 million, it is worth. I think it's like a buck ninety nine. It is worth it. It is one of the most addicting games that I have played on Android. It's it's sort of like a, you have um, up at the top of the screen you have your character and he's running through a castle and every time he encounters an enemy or something you're playing a match three game down in the bottom half of the green, of the screen. So like if you match three swords it attacks. If you match three uh, shields it defends. Like it. It's a really, really fun game, and it's it's kind of difficult to to actually beat it and get ten million at the very end of the game. Hmm. I still haven't played it. I'll, I'll have to check it out. You should. I will now that you told me. All right. Uh, also, before we do at picks, Nick, we missed you last week. Uh, we talked yeah. about Nintendo, uh, and the rumor that they were going to do mobile stuff, and then that they weren't going to do mobile stuff. Uh, so yeah, w- I'm curious what you think about that. Okay, so in my personal opinion, I think their mobile solution is honestly the 3DS. And I don't know it's been around for a while, <laughs> but it seems to me that that's what they're focusing on. I, I think they're at some point going to come up with their own like Android and iOS app. It's like, hey, the Nintendo Me Center and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't really ever see them officially licensing games on other platforms. Like just to give you an idea of how proprietary they are, like on their Wii and their Wii U, they wouldn't put a Blu-ray, Blu-ray player in those. Uh, they wouldn't even put necessarily DVD players. They would put their own DVD-type drive, but they wouldn't even pay like two or three bucks to license DVD, you know, DVD drives uh, in these consoles. So, you know, and so therefore, they, these were not like these media centers. These were really just game consoles. Well, very so proprietary because Nintendo came from a time when yeah. that's what it was, right? I mean, that yeah. was business. And, and they're still holding to that mindset. And so, uh, and, and you know, plus they've had you know really bad messages with like, hey, here's the Wii U, but they're only focusing on the controller. So a lot of people are like, hey, it's just a controller for the Wii and all sorts of weird stuff. But I mean, they focus on their platform and their application, their games for their platform. You know, they have like the most exclusives and the most first party titles, and that's just how they roll. And unfortunately, they backed a uh, console with the Wii U that is no better really than the Xbox 360 or the PS3, and so that's kind of what's killing them now. So I know we'd all like to see them officially license their software on Android and, you know, get Super Mario World Brothers or Galaxy, you know, through Nintendo on Android. I just don't ever see that that happening, even for iOS. I think they look at that as competing. I don't think they want to compete against their own console, their own 3DS, however long they continue to mill really the same hardware. I'll tell you, the 3DS, well, not not necessarily the 3 The, the DS Lite, I think, was yeah. the last one I got. Um, I didn't really get that into the DS, but, like, before that, I mean... Original Game Boy, Virtual Boy, like Game Boy Advance. The Game Boy Color, I think, was the only one I didn't have. I went straight to the Advance. Like, that was my stuff when I was growing because I was a Nintendo kid. Like, my dad brought home a Nintendo with the robot way back in the day with Robbie. And, like, it's been that ever since. And, I like, what could you improve on as far as, 
you have the DS Lite. Like, that was kind of perfect, in, in my opinion. Like, for a mobile gaming thing. Like, Magical Star Sign was awesome. The Zelda game, that was awesome. They they were, for what it was, like, it was perfect. Yeah. And, I mean, I unless they're, they're going to throw that stuff on a smartphone, I, I I don't know. Like you said, it's it's all very tightly proprietary. Yeah, I just think for them, it's DS is their, is their mobile solution, and Wii is their console solution, and they're not really going to pimp that <laughs> those games out to other platforms make a uh, phone then capacity. a nintendo phone i remember <laughs> well, I back in started... the, do you remember back in the day subscribe to nintendo power magazine one issue i vividly remember this there was a thing called the nintendo work boy and it was a keyboard you plugged into the game boy like the first gen game boys and it turned it into like an organizer with memos and calendars and all this stuff and I remember seeing it in the magazine, and then every time we would go to Grandma and Grandpa's house, we'd go to Toys R Us because it was, like, down the street, and we'd walk there. And I looked for that thing every time, and it never came out. And I remember being, like, a kid and just being so hopeful that it would be there one day, and it never was. And I was like, oh, man. Like, you think they could try something like that again? But, the, I mean, like we've seen, the phone market is such dicks to get into. It's like, eh. This explains so much about you. Right? <laughs> well, I do think Nerd. they're going to come up with more third-party or first-party accessories for, for their stuff. You know, they had a recent, like, press conference where they were talking about, like, kind of like a Fitbit, but it's tied to the console, so it's not like mobile, like a non-wearable fitness thing. I don't know. They're, they're going to work on, on other things, but it's all going to be, be proprietary to their Nintendo ecosystem, and honestly, that's just how they're going to roll. So, if I remember right, they they sort of defined a little bit more about what their smartphone strategy was going to be, and it sounds less like a smartphone strategy and more like a um, I, I don't know what you would call it, like an like an online uh, in, environment strategy, um, in the same way that you know Xbox has Xbox Live. And yeah. Sony has PS uh, Plus, um, you know they. But Nintendo, you still do this like really weird crap of like, if I want to be friends with Nick, it's not that I have a user ID and then I add Nick's user ID as my friend. I have to give Nick my friend code and then like we <laughs> share friend codes. And it's like BBM. It's Do you remember really, that? Really I tried that with uh, Metroid or something to get people to play. And, like, you had to copy down this long, annoying code. It was, like, ridiculous. Nobody would do it. Yeah, I. so I think that that, if I remember right, somebody was talking about, um, I know it's very specific that somebody was talking about something. Uh, uh-huh. Somebody was somebody with Nintendo was talking about how they're they're going to focus more on getting that environment set up, which I think, can link into mobile, you yeah. know, the ability to purchase things, similar to, like, how a Steam app is. Yeah, I see them doing something like the Xbox Glass app or whatever, or Sony has something similar for Android where maybe you can do stuff with your with your Mi, you know, your Mi avatars, whatever they're called, or the or your games on your smartphone, but using a Nintendo app. Like they're, called, Mi app. they're called mini-Mi's. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do anything with my with my me. With your mini me. Yeah. Yeah. I have no. I have no desire. To I do, do everything with my mini me. All right. Let's do uh, app picks so we can get the hell out of here. I got food to right. eat. Stuff. 
I got mini me to take on a walk. Uh, <laughs> Eric, give us an app pick. Yeah, so this app pick is uh, the Epson iPrint app, and I bring this up for a couple of reasons. I've had a lot of problems with printers in the past because I, I mainly run Linux in the household, and if you can find a driver, it's not really supported. So I found a nice refurbed Epson printer from the from the Epson factory or whatever, and it works very well in Linux, and it turns out that they also have a printing app, um, which I've used, and it also works quite well. So Epson iPrint, it only works with the Epson printers, but... Um, if you do have an Epson printer, I, it's great. Um, you know, somebody shoots me an email with a PDF attachment, I can just hit, you know, hit print, and it sends it directly to the printer, and it's it's magical, and I like it. So better than cloud print. Cloud print has has been so so for me. Yeah, um, it I, works only on certain printers. I've noticed, like seamlessly. Well, and and you can make it work with any printer, I think. Um, but for some of them, you have to have the printer. Like if the printer's not supported out of the box, you have to plug it into your computer, and then the computer like does like a share of it across the internet. But it only works if that computer is on. So if you only have a laptop and you're moving it around, like every time that you disconnect the laptop, right. you're kind of screwed. Well, hopefully your printer has Wi-Fi or Ethernet or something. Yep. It is 2014, after all. Everything has Wi-Fi. Your damn microwave has Wi-Fi. I mean, come on. I have Wi-Fi. I have Wi-Fi in my me. In me. I have Wi-Fi in me. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool app pick for every listener that is an Epson printer user and Android. That's good, Eric. Thanks, Matt. Hey. Good, good backhanded comment. Appreciate it. <laughs> hey, great app pick, Eric. Really appreciate the time you spent picking that out. Nick? Do you also have a well-thought-out app pick that you use every day? Yeah, it's called Flappy Bird. No, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to hate that game. Uh, I, my high score is two. That game. I need to play that. <laughs> that game. I need to play that now. You'll play it for about two minutes, and you'll hopefully not throw your phone and promptly uninstall it, unless you have better uh, stamina than me or patience. Anyways, uh, the... Uh, App that I've got now in Collegia Rail. Now, the app that I've got is called Wisdom. <laughs> it's a free tech support app. Well, currently it's free because it's in beta, but I suspect it's going to end up having like a subscription model. But uh, if any of you guys have ever used uh, or heard about or seen the Mayday app for, for Amazon, to me this seems like the closest thing you can get for, for Android, for just like regular Android. And it's a tech support program you can get. Um, and it's actually a very nice uh, UI. I uh, want to kind of shout out to Jared Bush for pointing this out on his channel because when I saw it, it kind of blew my mind, having worked for tech support professionally in the past. <laughs> and I have friends that are always calling me up, hey, Nick, XYZ, and it's like kind of old by now. But anyways, so this is one of these programs you could essentially have someone install, and, and it's custom-tuned for like whatever smartphone they're using. And there's basically three sections. Ask us a question. Uh, section two is my questions, where all the questions you've asked in the past will show up there. And then the third section is my device tips. And basically, it's all the device tips for your smartphone of choice. So you can basically ask a question like, oh, I can't figure out how to do this. And then live tech support uh, will reply back to you with 
an answer. And these are people that essentially work with or for wisdom. And uh, you can go back and check your history for previous questions asked and look at the answers. But And you can also just scroll through the device tips to kind of review, you know, hey, oh, here's some things I could do with my smartphone I didn't know. So it's kind of cool. You know, a lot of your smarter or more proficient Android users may not get as nearly as much out of this as maybe some of their family members might or friends. <laughs> but uh, that's why I think this app is cool. So right now it's free on the Google Play Store, but it's because it's in beta. And uh, it's uh, I do believe they're going to go to a subscription model. Theoretically, you'd go to the website wisdom.com, and it's W-Y-S-D-O-M.com. And let's say your phone is completely crashed. Let's say you're, but you're using this subscription service. You would go to the website, and then you can get help from them on the website, theoretically, down the line. So I don't know. There's a lot of uh, cool possibilities with this. But currently, it's in English only, uh, but more languages are going to come out at some point. Uh, tech support, because it's in beta, they're only available like Monday through Friday, like what is it, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, if you ask any questions after hours, they'll answer it in, in the past. So it's pretty cool. Right now it's free. So in my opinion, check it out. See if you like it. It's got a very nice UI, very simple, very, uh, very easy. Almost anyone should be able to use this. So it reminds me a lot of the program uh, I've recommended in the past called Drippler, where it's like that was like, New, a news feed, but based on your smartphone. Well, this is tech support based on your smartphone. So that's basically it. It's called Wisdom, Tech Support, and Help, and it's currently free on the Google Play Store. Nice. I want to know more about this flappy bird you were speaking of. Oh, <laughs> so, kidding. yeah. So it looks like Super Mario Brothers in terms of the whole 8-bit graphics, and it's a side-scroller, and you're flying this little bird, and you have to act literally tap on the screen in order for it to start flying. Oh, it's like and the helicopter game. Up. Yeah, it's and helicopter. if you stop okay. tapping, it nose dives and yeah, you die yeah. in the ground. And, and there's and then stuff in the way. Bikes. It's like Jetpack Joyride or the old helicopter game. Yeah, it's like that, but more painful. And that's by Rovio? And that's their new game? No, it's not by Rovio, but do a search for a flappy bird oh. and look for something that's like completely skyrocketing. Clumsy bird? Trending. Flappy bird. I wrote a similar app in the past called Carpal Tunnel. Desert <laughs> Bird? You just have to... Wait, Desert Bird Flappy Flap Flap? Is that it? No, it's... God damn it. It's called Flappy Bird. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> this is worse than playing the damn game, man. No, Minesweeper? <laughs> hold on. I'll, it's in here. here hold so on. Much. Install Nick's app pick and then ask them where Flappy Bird is, okay? <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm done with Mic this. drop. <laughs> All right, my app pick is called Dots. It's a bunch of dots. You got to pick out the same color dots. So it's a dumb brain puzzle game. I, I, I've been I've been playing. Actually, I've been installing very few new apps because of my my storage situation on the uh, 16 gig Moto X that I will be stuck with for the next year. But anyway. I need to go through some new games. But Dots is a classic that I always find myself coming back to. Um, and you can play on local multiplayer mode, which is kind of cool. If you have other friends that are playing Dots as well. Um, yeah, you just got it. I don't. It's Connect 4, basically. but It's so much better and more useful than it's, my app. To it's pick called things. Dots. Eric, <laughs> shut up. It's called Dots. It's better than the candy, but not as good as... It's better than Flappy Bird. 
Flappy Bird. <laughs> Helicopter. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. Nick, Eric, it's always a pleasure podcasting with you gents. I wish we could do it daily. <laughs> S- screw you, Eric. What's our email address, Eric? Our email address is show at attackoftheandroids.com. Show at clumsybird.com. Is it clumsy bird? Flappy. Flappy bird! (laughs) (laughs) Give us a call at 406-204-4687. You can leave us a message at that number. Attackoftheandroids.com. That's our website. Subscribe to iTunes. Write us a review. Give us a rating. We appreciate that, as always. And uh, clumsy bird? Flappy bird. Floppy bird? (laughs) All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Good night. It's Thanks for listening to Attack of the Androids. Attack of the Androids.com.